everyone and welcome to the Go Global podcast series, the show that addresses the importance of think globally and act locally. I'm your host, Ellen Wang from Leeds University Business School. Today, I have invited a man who's graduated from diversity management at Leeds University Business School in 2009. She's the storyteller in chief and the co-founder of SECA, an award-winning marketing and branding consultant, a writer and serial entrepreneur who's been featured in a list of 100 inspirational individuals in the UAE in 2012 and 2014. Manor was also the winner of a Study UK Alumni Award presented by the British Council. I cannot wait to hear more about her story and how globalization resonated with her. So, hi Manor, thank you so much for joining me from Abu Dhabi today. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you, to be talking to the students at the University of Leeds. Likewise, Manor, likewise. It's great to have you on the show. So, in my introduction, I have highlighted some of your amazing achievements. So I think it would be a great for you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, please. Yes. Um, so I graduated um, and my, from my bachelor's degree. I've graduated uh, with a degree in mass communications with a focus of advertisement. So I've always loved the, the marketing, the communication aspects of the business. I love the storytelling of the brand or the story behind the brand. Um, and when I was looking to pursue my higher degree, I was looking for a program that would be beneficial for me living in a country that is very diverse with over 200 nationalities living here, um, that is a business hub for the region, that is a media hub for the region. Um, and of course, after a rigorous process, I've stumbled upon the diversity management program at the, you know, the University of Leeds and Leeds Business School specifically. And I just knew that this is perfect, you know, um, we'll get to apply the techniques that would work in a diverse environment back home. Um, so I made the journey in 2008 and graduated in 2009. And I've, I've learned lessons ever since um, that are applicable to my work today. Um, and after I've graduated, I've worked in the investment sector, um, but handling the corporate communications department. And a couple of years later, I've started my marketing and communications consultancy in 2014. And it's been a whirlwind of a journey. So like the magazine came after that, my Sika magazine, we've established the Khaliji Art Museum, which is the first digital museum that shares the work of artists from the Arab Gulf states region uh, who, are who are called or referred to as Khaliji. So hence the name of the museum, yeah. That sounds amazing. I mean, just the listening to your story and your journey, it sounds like I've been everywhere with you. Um, so my next question is, thank you for sharing that, by the way. So my next question is really just looking into, you know, your journey at the post-graduation part. What really inspired you to start your own business, SECA? Um, and also, I've got a question. Does the SECA mean anything in English? Yes, of course. So Sikka in Arabic, it means the alleyway that connects neighborhood to the marketplace. So it, it is the in the in the in the old ages, the neighborhoods were connected in the Arab world and uh, in, in, in these alleyways. And usually these alleyways, if you take them, it will lead you to a marketplace or like a, a piazza where people meet and gather and converse and exchange ideas. So we called it Sikka so that through our magazine and website, we aim to connect this part of the world and the people in it 
with with the with the with the rest of the world. Um, so we want it to be their own alleyway that connects them with the world and for people to get to know about people from the region. That's um, amazing. So, That's amazing name. <laughs> thank you so much. It's a very common Arabic word as well. Um, and, and we wanted a word that is that is used in almost every Arab country so that it's not like it's unique to to one country or one sure. dialect uh, sure. versus others. Um, and basically, so I, I started my business a couple of years into after joining the government sector, which was the investment the investment industry, um, working in the corporate communications field, and I have started writing then, uh, contributing to um, some of the local papers and the regional publications, and I got to meet a lot of business owners who manage global uh, business owners and people who manage global brands or, or who are representing global brands in the Middle East. Um, and they would come to me for like cultural insights. They would tell me, okay, um, you, you have a communications background, you know about marketing. Can you help us with drafting the right message? Um, how do you think, for example, people in the city of Abu Dhabi would resonate? Uh, I mean, how would the brand resonate with them? Um, so they used to come to me like for some advice as a friend. And then they told me like, you know, we're bombarding you with all of these questions. Why don't you just establish a consultancy? We, we need somebody like you who could help us with the cultural and local insights and especially when it comes to marketing and communication. So I've started small, I started freelancing and then I've established my company since and I've worked with some of the global brands on their messaging, on their events uh, in the UAE and some include um, Tori Birch, um, and Swarovski and Suneba, the Suneba, the the travel destination in the Maldives and Thailand. Yeah, that's amazing, and it's so interesting <laughs> to hear how you've managed to turn from informal conversations into a business, and then you know later on you turn <laughs> yourself into an entrepreneur. That's that's amazing. Um, so as our podcast series is focused on globalization, yes. how do you think the term resonates with you, especially given the current business environment, which is, you know, very difficult and been affected hugely by the global pandemic? Do you think globalization is a really important strategy for SECA? Yes. So when, when I started my consultancy back in 2014, um, it was because brands wanted to go local, right? Like they, they knew that a message that they have for an American audience might not necessarily resonate with an Arab audience. Um, so, that, so that was the reason. So we worked on drafting communications and marketing plans for them to be able to reach the local audiences. So globalization has always been uh, important ever since you know um, the markets opened up and uh, the world got connected even more to each other, but even more so with the pandemic. So the pandemic have restricted a lot of the trade movements. Um, a lot of companies weren't able to ship uh, from abroad. A lot of companies weren't able to produce or manufacture in other countries. There, there has been a lot of restrictions. So a lot of companies um, and brands knew that going local is the best way. I mean, they had in, in from supporting um, local workers to, to to supporting the communities they operate in that have been hit really badly by the pandemic. 
um, especially with millennials. Millennials expect so much of the brand and also Gen Zers. So the Gen Zers, those who are born after, I think after 1998, I always get the, the, the figures wrong, but the, the millennials and Gen Zers expect so much from, from a brand. Um, they expect brands to give back. They expect brands to take part in the communities. They want to work or purchase from a company that is giving back to their to their community in one way or another so and social media provided customers and people with windows into how these brands work so they got to see the insides of factories they got to see um how the, the, the spaces of companies they got to meet people behind the brands they get to even talk to ceos directly if they need to you know like one tweet on twitter could give you and could, could could help connect you to the ceo of a big brand um so it, it provided people with access and that access means that brands have to be more responsible that people expect more from them from this relationship um, and when the pandemic hit of course um, as, as, as I've said like people, brands went had to go local they had to show their support to the communities that they support and that they work in um, it's time for them to give back to the community and their customers I mean the customers have been giving them so much in terms of monetary compensation, support, helping them raise awareness about their brands, um, and in terms of social influencers or people with influence generally, they've helped introduce maybe the brand to other people or customers who might like it. So, so it was time for the brands to pay back. Um, and even after this, the pandemic is over, I think brands are going to think uh, I mean, this localization is going to be more emphasized. People will expect brands to be more involved in their local communities. So maybe we're going to see more of maybe manufacturing happening within the countries that the brands operating in, operating in maybe more support to social and cultural causes as well. Absolutely, yeah. And it's a great to hear the localization is a, a really a strategy that's embedded in your business as well. So considering yes. Setka works on a B2B business model, um, do you have to uh, adapt anything that, that your, to your strategy to better support your clients across different sectors during these difficult times? Or do you think that really that hasn't you know, impacted you that much? What was your, what was um, your experience? You mean with the pandemic, right? Just so that yes. I answer you. Yes. Yes. Um, of course. Um, so, so I mean, it changed the game for everybody. People had to re-strategize, you know, especially if your business model is built on, um, if you're a travel destination, for example, you know, like I had a client that is a travel destination and people stopped traveling, especially to luxury destinations. Um, people don't didn't want to spend money on luxury so what do they do like how does the brand maintain that connect connected I and mean, how do they remain connected to their audiences here the audiences who've, who've been traveling have been supporting them so um one one brand um one brand is in the process right now of you know supporting the local arts community in the region by taking the artworks made by artists here and having them hung across, you know, across the resort um, so that the people who visit their resort, the people who stay in their rooms and their villas, they will be introduced to, the, to their artists. So it was their way of showing, you know, how we could support artists, especially in the creative industry, because the creative industry, as you know, Ellen, has been hit very badly in the pandemic, you know. Sure. Um, arts usually is like the first industry that gets negatively impacted 
impacted um, because people view it as a luxury. It's something that could be postponed. Um, so this resort, this client, they decided, you know what, we're going to support the creative community um, from the region that our, our clients are coming from. So our region here in the Arab world, um, they're, they're purchasing their art and then they're going to be hanging it in their resort uh, to raise awareness also about these artists. So, so they've, they've empowered them monetarily by paying them for their arts. And at the same time, they are raising awareness about them. So that was one way because um, the there were travel restrictions, but they, they are thinking of bringing more of, of their experiences or their brands here. They want to be supporting more of the local talents, you know, um, content creators. They want to be working more with content creators from the region. So um, instead, if they, are, if they are working on a campaign that is targeting the Arab region, instead of like working with a content creator, for example, who's from Finland or from Japan, they know they want to work with a content creator from the region who's going to be working on their advertising visuals, on their marketing, because they know how to take um, the right, I wouldn't, I don't want to say the right, but maybe they know how to deliver the message, even if it's a photo in a way that would appeal to their target audience. Um, which is their people, basically. Um, so, so this is like this, these are the ways that brands are had to rethink ways. So, in a way, I mean, the pandemic has been is devastating. We've lost so many lives. We've lost um, a lot of people. You know, were, were negatively impacted. They've lost their jobs, but. It, it, it forced businesses to rethink their strategies to, to rethink more of the law to rethink more about uh, the local communities and how they can positively impact them I mean something like working with a content creator from the country that you are um, targeting their audience goes a long way you know with the audience I mean it, it's, it's you're sending a message to your audience telling them that hey you know we care about the, the the creative community like we made sure that even the message that we are sharing with you is made by you know a, a, one of your community members so it's it's these small touches that actually go a long way with the audiences and brands are starting to realize that Absolutely. And it's amazing to hear that you've been able to support sectors that's been impacted hugely by the global pandemic. Um, and you talked about how important is it to understand international businesses and being able to interpret mm -hmm. into local context. So, you know, that's all of which are fantastic to hear. Um, my next question is, in your opinion, how important is it to be cross-cultural competent and how much competencies can impact um, on individuals future career well i would say that i think it's we have never been connected as a world than we are right now you know i don't think there's ever been a time in history where everybody in the world is connected the way we are i mean like right now you know i'm here in sunny abu dhabi and you're there and we're having this conversation sure. um so um there's no excuse for brands to be culturally ignorant i would say like you have no excuse to to draft a message that would be misinterpreted in in any way i, I would say that that that's negligence that's you being careless as a brand if you don't invest enough time to to make sure that the message that you are sending to your audience would resonate well that would, would be respectful that you are not um you know dis disrespecting them or insulting them in any way um there's no excuse literally and even the audience members would would not give any these businesses any excuse because the information is out there the consultants are out there um a google search could could reveal so much information information there are people who are out there who you could hire 
them, you know, just to, to, to tell you about the history or, or, or the culture of the, this you want to, you want to, you want a target you you want your business to target or you, you want to reach so it's it's more important now more than ever i mean the information is out there it's free most of the time on google um there are a lot of videos there are there are a lot of shows there are a lot of podcasts that are introducing people so it's it's, it's very important because as i said the world is connected um, you have even within countries subcategories, so you have uh, different ethnicities, ethnicities, people of different cultural backgrounds living within the same city. So we, we have to be, um, we have to be, uh, cultural competency is very important. You have to have it. You can't go into the business world thinking that, hey, you know, it worked in that city and it's going to work here. This is not the case anymore because sometimes even within the same city, you have to draft or 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 uh, come up with a message that in ten different ways because you really have different nationalities. I mean, just to give an example, when with with the pandemic over here and having blessed to be living in a country that has over two hundred nationalities, a beautiful uh, combination of people from all around the world, the, the, something as simple as you know, you as the COVID-19 instructions had to be drafted in so many ways. It had to be drafted in English, in Arabic, in Hindi, in Urdu, in Malay, in, you know, in, in, in so many languages, because in so many languages because of the diversity of people. I had to spread that message in, in different channels so we had social media we had radio only we had people going to 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 specific communities and physically telling them that hey you have to abide by these regulations this is how you stay safe this is so it, it, it's a lot of work and this is just an example to show you that within one city you could you could be you know dissecting a message in like a hundred different ways to get the same message across Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just madly taking notes because everything you say was so fascinating, especially, you know, you're sharing from a, a very um, practitioner perspective, which is really interesting. So I guess my next question is really kind of coming back to us as in Lee's students, mm -hmm. your audience who are listening to the podcast right now. Um, my question is, what advice could you give to our students on developing a mind, global mindset, um, but to act locally? So, you know, in, in previously, you've talked so much about your business, your journey, but what advice can you give to our students? Because this is not just for international students, it's really for all student bodies, right? I would, I would urge students to have an open mind or maybe like a thirst to learn about cultures, um, to meet people from different cultures. I mean, in Leeds, in England, um, across the world, there are a lot of cultural events that take place, a lot of networking events. You don't have to physically attend these right now. You can. There are a lot of events that are happening online, via Zoom, via other video conferencing tools on social media. I would say that interact with as many possible, as many people as possible from different sectors, get to know them. It, it's really amazing how, how inspired you could be um, by just going to these networking events. I mean, personally for me, it has helped develop my career greatly. It's helped me develop a more open mind. It helped me appreciate um, the people of different cultures. It helped me appreciate that just because 
we do business in, in a certain way here or in country X or in country Y, things could take a completely different turn in another country. And that's not wrong. It's, it's how businesses operate. And we have to appreciate um, uh, how, how, how businesses are run and by, by different people in different countries and different, um, in different locations. Um, and I would say that a lot of my personal opportunities that I received for my business have stemmed from attending these networking events, you know. Uh, and I, I personally, I would I would advise like, as much as possible, if you're going to be attending these networking events, whether online, whether physically, try to go alone. Because, um, I mean, if you're going with a friend, you'll be probably without you feeling it, you're going to be like, speaking with your friend or you know just socializing with your friend the whole night and you may not um you know uh, gain from this opportunity that you are in so i would say go to these events alone introduce yourself introduce your business um talk to people uh, learn about what they do it's so inspiring it's so inspiring and it's so beneficial also for your business um i got introduced to amazing people i got to i got to, to be introduced to amazing clientele i got to be introduced to to amazing business opportunities just because i dedicated time for networking um and i always look at networking as one form of business development um and the, the more relationships you have the more the more experience the more experience you will have as a business owner or a people or a person who is working in the business sector but also you will be um you will be exposed to so many opportunities so i i mean i've seen it personally firsthand the more networking I, events i attend the more people i meet the more opportunities uh, i get exposed to the more i learn as a person i mean the, the knowledge that i get that i gain from just talking to people from different sectors is 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 precious i i can't even put a price on that Absolutely. So I answered your question. You, you did. Yeah, that was really great advice. I think, you know, a lot of times the people are very, um, you know, reserved to kind of go forward. And especially when yeah. you talk about networking, I think we all know networking is very important, but yet some people choose to go to networking events with their friends. So I think you highlighted some really interesting point there where, you know, they need to be very prepared. They need to go in with um, with some purpose, right? And then they need to go in along mm -hmm. because then it's more effective. And, you know, of course, we're in the, uh, we're in the global um, environment at the moment where it is not only about what you know, but it's also about who you know, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, personally, when I was growing up as a teenager, I was a very shy, very reserved person, you know. Um, but when I entered, when I went to university, of course, and uh, I, I started living alone, and then when I joined the workforce and established my business, I I had to, like, the minute I went, I stepped into university, I, I knew that I had to change. So I was 17, and I knew that, you know, like, if I was being shy, this is not gonna, I needed to work on that for me. You know, there's nothing wrong with being shy, but I, I had like goals and aspirations, you know, to be a journalist, to be a business owner. And sure. I knew that being shy was going to get in my own way. Um, so I had to train myself, you know, I had to attend so many events and, I've, and attending events alone really helped me, you know, and overcoming that, um, talking to people um, and forcing myself to publicly speak, speak. Like I used to get so nervous to pu speak publicly. I used to shake. I used to like, I hated it. Like I would rather die, you know, um, <laughs> but I had to, I, I knew that it, it was, it was for my own good. 
I had to um, develop the skills that I, I, I believed I would, I would need to be the person that I wanted to become. I mean, it's different for every person. And of course, it doesn't mean that if you're shy, you're not going to be successful. No, that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but that was for my own personal experience and what the plan that I had in mind for myself. Yeah. Um, this is why I, I've done that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of really nicely leads into my next question. Um, as we come into the end of the podcast, it's about, you know, particular skills. So you mentioned one that jumps out about public speaking, which is really important, right? Because like you said, there's nothing yeah. wrong to be shy as a, that's the, your personality. But when it comes to public speaking or networking, you need to have the confidence. You need to be prepared. Maybe that's one of the skills that's really important in this context, do you think? Yes. I mean, if you're, if you're, if networking is essential, as we said, you know, like to, to building relationships, then public speaking, I would say, um, is, is an important skill to, to develop. Um, I, I didn't, uh, to be honest, I didn't take any classes or I didn't work with anybody or like a mentor or an instructor on that. I just had, I just took it step by step. You know, I started when I first joined university as 17, I, I, I started attending events. I joined some clubs in the university. Um, I joined some groups. Uh, I tried to, you know, at least speak to one new person or student a day just to get to know them, to overcome that feeling of mine. So, I mean, I, I had to come up with my own plan. Of course, it, it takes a while. You're, I, I didn't like it suddenly become a, a confident speaker or a person who can confidently go to any event alone. No, it, that, that took me time to build. But I'm so glad that that I, I took it gradually. You know, I integrated it sort of into my lifestyle by dedicating time to attend events, to go to clubs, uh, to the club, cultural clubs in university, um, to meet with new students, to 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 get to know people online through discussion forums um, that, that helped me um, slowly and gradually become the person that I wanted to be you know to be the business owner that I, I, I wanted to be absolutely practice makes perfect right I mean if you didn't say yes I would never have a guess that you were a really shy person that had you know had a fear of public speaking because you're so confident uh, yeah, but, I mean, it, practice makes perfect. As you said, you know, I, I, at the beginning, it was really, really hard for me to just get up and like, I, I wouldn't be, I, I, like, I wouldn't know how to go to a cafe and like have coffee alone. It was really weird for me. Like, how can I go out alone? Like, I wasn't comfortable, but I forced myself. And of course, when I, after, after um, finishing my bachelor's degree back home, and then went and did my master's degree in Leeds, and of course, having had to live um, live there and do a lot of the activities alone, um, I, I it really helped um, in shaping my personality. So I owe a lot of that to my experience in Leeds, to be honest. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. That's wonderful. So yeah. as we're coming to the end um, of our episode today, Mana, you've shared so much, and you know, thank you so much for for your wonderful story your journey and also it's you know it's very inspirational to hear as well that where you were started your starting point and where you are now um and so i just wanted to ask you one last question are there anything else that you would like to share with our students or your audience today i would say that um i would advise um if, if they have the time and the means to do that is try to take or try to learn as many diverse skills as possible. They come in handy. Um, for example, I took, when I graduated from Leeds, I took photography classes and courses. I took oil painting. I took, um, um, I've learned some, you know, like um, in, I took like some intensive courses in InDesign. 
web development. And then when the, when the pandemic hit us last year and, you know, we had to, like sometimes some of your staff members are not available. You have to push things online. You have to do that. So my skills came in handy. Um, and because I work also with a lot of content creators, um, I, I have an appreciation for the art and the skills uh, and the skill set that comes with it. And also I learned... Um, to, I mean, I, I can converse with my team, you know, because I have sort of like a background in, in photography, in design, in web development. We, we can have a conversation together. I understand where they're coming from. They understand what I want to do. So I try to dedicate my free time to learning something new, even if it's something small, um, especially at the time right now when technological developments are having at such a crazy pace. We have AI coming. We have the ro robots, virtual realities, augmented realities. So it's important to at least try to learn these skills or or have the, like the basic knowledge of it or if you can just read um read about it even if it has nothing to do with your industry you would be amazed at you know how it, it's it's all connected in the end like somehow it will connect with what you're doing absolutely so keep up upskilling keep developing and challenge yourself and uh, yeah the world is your oyster i guess <laughs> yes um, absolutely yeah so thank you so much Amanda, for joining me today and sharing your journey with us um you know i think we can all agree the world is getting so much smaller we've never been yes. so connected as we are now that you mentioned before therefore it becomes really normal to work within cross-cultural capacity so therefore it's a necessity to have the inter interculturally competent and this is exactly what we're hoping to address here in this episode series so please remember if you like Manas' story and her journey please feel free to connect with her on LinkedIn or via Twitter so thank you very much once again Mana for joining me and it's really great to have you on the show and learn so much about you I do hope that you'll have the opportunity to return to Leeds very soon thank you so much Ellen I've enjoyed our, our chat very much and I look forward to coming back to Leeds meeting the students and meeting the, the amazing faculty there thank you so much so that's all for today, everyone. And for the upcoming series and episodes, I do hope to continue inviting more guests to join me and share their insights on globalization and how they're tackling some of the challenges along the way. Most importantly, I want to raise the awareness and the importance of think globally and act locally. If you're interested in finding out more about this topic, please subscribe to our podcast series. Or if you're interested, to get in touch, our contact details available in the episode description. Until then, let's go local.